Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in just 30 minutes. Today, we are so thrilled to be speaking with Fortune. Fortune is a self-publishing strategist, best-selling author of multiple books, and creator of the Signature Book Formula. He's the founder of No Doubt Nation, where the followers live by one mantra, make life happen every day and the mastermind behind the hashtag One Book Away movement, and the Wealthy Author podcast. It's a lot of stuff. Through his books, Speaking in Business, he teaches entrepreneurs and speakers how to write, publish, and turn branded books into multiple streams of income. Fortune, welcome. We are really uh, thrilled to be speaking with you. I appreciate being on the show, man. I'm going to do my best to keep your to keep this a masterclass that's valuable. <laughs> I have no doubt that you'll do that. I couldn't even get through the bio without commenting to myself uh, all the stuff that you're doing. But I want to start at the end there. Mm -hmm. uh, I know plenty of people who talk about writing books, who talk about changing from one income source to multiple income streams. Yep. And ultimately, it seems like that's hard for a lot of people to do. How do you help others do that? Uh, that's a fantastic question. And I keep it real simple. The and I, I, I'll tell you about this. This is how it came, it came about from the most recent book, the, the four-hour book. Um, what I did for that book is I created an outline and Evernote and I create, and I said, I wanted to do host a workshop, a weekend workshop. So I sold tickets to that workshop, which is, and I, when I got to the works, when it had a workshop, it was about four hours, but it was about five hours actually with all the inter, uh, the breaks and stuff like that and answering questions. I taught from that outline. The outline was the outline for my book. So I recorded that, that recording, I then chopped up and turned into the first version of the Easy Way book writing course. So I got paid to create the course and record the first transcript for the book. So I took that transcript out of there, off of there, edited and all that type of stuff. And it became that first version that you see on the wall behind me there, that became that book. Then I took that same outline and haven't had some people come through the course and got some, because I recorded some um, testimonials at the end of the workshop. So then I can then use those to send to people uh, when I was like selling the one-on-one the -on -one coaching that I was going to do while I was still editing the course and getting all that stuff ready. So I then took that same outline, had my sales calls, very quick, quick little tip on the, using my uh, the sales calls. Since I had 10 steps on my process that I just taught, how people get their, get started on writing their books. My sales process was very simple. I asked people big questions based on my 10 steps. Have you done this? Have you done that? Did this? And now I know at the end of it, I know what you're missing because these are the 10 steps I have to get there. Oh, you mean some this, 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 and that, and the other, and help them sell. So that's the same. That's what I did with my first client coming out of that. She, I sold that first client for just, just under $3,000 into a uh, done with you course. So I went with her, walking her through that process while I'm writing the book, turning that, <laughs> editing the transcript and so forth, editing the, the online course and so forth, okay? So I just told you five different ways <laughs> I use that book to create multiple streams of income, okay? That, that is the simplest way that I know uh, of turning your book into multiple streams of income is take a piece here, create a mini course, take a piece here, create shirts, there's another stream of income. Take this, take the, um, take the outline you have there, pieces that you didn't, you want to go dive deeper into, turn it into what podcast, wealthy author podcast. See, there's multiple ways of 
turning that into streams of income. If you just did the, if you did the work, here's, there's a key, Mike, you have to do your work. And I just, uh, uh, when you're creating your outline, you have to do the work and really get into it. And so that you're creating some transformation and now it's actually going to work for you. If you don't do the work, you just kind of like threw some stuff together to try to sell a book, then you can't really turn that into other streams of income. But I can use that one outline. I even create my signature talks from it. I create webinars from it, all from the same outline. That's uh, that's a great place to end on that answer because the answer is, I don't say perfect, but it's it's really really good in that it's built off of something that someone is going to want, something valuable, something that has uh, a lot of effort put into it, and then that's something that people want to pay for. And then more than I don't like just saying this, repurposing it, but putting it out in different uh, different spheres, different mediums, different ways for people to consume it, different levels of engagement with it. That mm-hmm. there, that's uh, I think that's great because we often overlook uh, both of those things. That it's like, well, I'm going to just throw things against the wall, see what sticks, and I'll run with it. That's a mistake. The other mistake is that uh, I'm gonna, I need to either just repurpose by just doing the same thing over and over, which not going to work, or mm-hmm. doing things completely different and starting from scratch each time. So you were very. Uh, you know, very quickly there described in a story of how you were able to take the same core content, but deliver it different ways to have uh, different streams come in. Love that story. So that's a great place to start. I think we'll have plenty to, uh, to go back and forth with. So you mentioned coaching, podcasting, obviously uh, writing, which of these comes most naturally to you and which are, which do you find yourself having to work most at or, or the hardest for you still at this time? No, they're they're all at at this point in my in my career, they're all about the same. Because and, and I say that because you talked about repurposing, is that they all come about as the same type of thing. I will create an outline. I will deliver that outline uh, through the camera, and but I write it out the way I want to for the 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 blog post or whatnot the article to be. It's already written all the way out. And then since I've already done all the thinking they clear on it, I can easily deliver a talk directly to the camera about that. The hardest part at this point is more about the editing and what I'm going to leave in and what out. Or I so I don't spend three or four hours trying to make this beautiful thing instead of just getting it out into the world. Um, but I will say this. I, I did a lot of work on both of them. I've done a lot of work on edit, uh, on storytelling and writing. But the most work that I did was learning how to speak and how to present. And what I learned from a Greek a Greek orator named um, Diothes, Dioth- I cannot pronounce his name properly. It's Diothenes, I wanna say it's Diothenes. I can't pronounce his name properly. But what he, what he was, he had a problem with speaking and stuttering and things of that nature. And what he did was go out to the beach, put rocks under his tongue and he spoke loudly over the waves and with the rocks in his mouth so he could clear up his speaking. I took that same concept, went in the office, went over here in the other room, turned the speaker up loud, I put some rocks under my tongue and started reading from books loud over the speaker to put, to improve my ability to enunciate, to speak loudly and to speak clearly. And being able to do that, that confidence that I could communicate, then all I had to do is figure out what the words to say. So you mentioned outlines twice. So I want to shout out Evernote as well, because that's a fantastic tool. I need to say that, but... I do not want to gloss over the fact you actually put the rocks. I, I'm familiar with that story, so I know it's <laughs> yes. I know it's true. So you put the rocks in your mouth, and that's how you did it. Yes. Okay, absolutely. 
Uh, as somebody who struggles with enunciation, I, I think I'm going to have to actually try that out now. If this is if this is something that's working, then I guess I've got to give that a try. Um, that was one of those blind faith types. Like, either the story is either it's a good story or it's a true story. Let's see. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you practiced, you you worked worked hard at it, but no, you actually you step by step. So, well done. Um, tell me about a time when you were thought you were prepared to present something speak and you weren't and now you know your outline needs to have this amount of work or this amount of background because of something that didn't work out you know that i haven't done anything where i wasn't prepared for it in such a long time because i learned that back in high school i tried to wing it like <laughs> in high school and it didn't come it came out badly it came out very bad, especially because I was in accelerated classes. So all these other people, the students like had slides and PowerPoints and they even, one of them created a daggone video. <laughs> this is back when we had VHS tips, tapes. <laughs> so like, these are the people I'm competing against, competing against. And I'm like, I don't have no cards. I'm just trying to just wing it up there. That from then on, I knew I need to at least have an outline of what I wanted to say. And also because I was part of Toastmasters, I got very good. I used to win the uh, the table topics, which is like a two minute talk. They just give you a subject and you speak on it. I got very good at that. And because I've been in recovery, we're constantly doing shares. So we're going around in 12 step rooms and we're giving shares. I have a lot of practice of being able to deliver right on, on cue so, uh, at the moment. So it's not very difficult for me to do that from stage also because I've done the work already. All I need to do is know what the audience needs. I don't recommend anybody doing that. <laughs> so please don't, say, don't recommend that. But I haven't done it in since high school, man. Well, that's okay. I mean, VHS is a, is a good way to go back. And thank you for for sharing that. Uh, knowing knowing what the audience needs, how can we figure that out? If even if we think we know, how can we confirm before we step on stage? Excellent. I I very simply talk to the audience. My my mentors in um, presentation. Uh, great guy named uh, Delatoro McNeil. As a matter of fact, he's one of the nationally recognized NSA members. Like he's big time, like <laughs> awards and all that. He taught he taught me in a three a three day weekend to know my materials well, and then all I, when I get to the event, I have to cater because he spoke to a lot of corporations, so he had the the key concepts, but he needed to know what that corporation itself, what was the culture and all that, so he could cater it a little bit to them. So he taught us to just ask the questions. I literally, when I was doing talks on how to get more done in the next 90 days and most people get done in nine months, so on high performance, I would literally go around with, with cards, little note cards. And I'd ask people a simple question, what is your biggest fear or what is the biggest challenge with uh, goal setting and goal achievement? And I'd write that and have them, I'd pass them out in the beginning and I'd just collect those. And that, cause I already had about five points that I could choose from. And based on what they say, cause I've done this enough times, uh, I knew it was going to be one of those five things. So I would go up there and talk about three of them from the stage based upon the collecting from the, the audience. It's literally talking to them. <laughs> it sounds simple enough, but I think a lot of, a lot of times it's overlooked of, I, I know who I'm talking to or my message is so good that anybody can use this when that's, when that's not the case, if you don't know what they're looking for. So applaud, applaud you there for asking and then listening to what they tell you. Mm-hmm. So I think I know, hashtag one book away. Mm -hmm. well, tell us about that, where that comes from and what that means. Uh, 
the one book away is about this simple concept that you're one book away from the next breakthrough in your life or in your business. The reason why that was so important to me is I remember being sitting in a jail cell waiting for my opportunity to get released, okay? I was facing 12 years of prison because I was trying to feed my addiction. I was out there stealing and boosting from drug, uh, from stores and stuff, <laughs> trying to selling liquor and stealing stuff like that. And I did, did like three times, got caught three times for the same felony in one year. So I was trying to figure out how I was going to change my life. So I initially wrote the first version of my first book, Unlimited Potential, How to Stop Living with Fear, Doubt, and Uncertainty. I wrote it down on a legal sheet of paper, the yellow legal sheets I had folded in half, drew a cover on outside of it, little table of contents. And I was writing in there what I would need to give my son if to keep him on the right path. Because I'd been in personal development. I knew about it. I just wasn't doing it right. I just, I just wasn't acting right. I knew better. So I wrote it all out for him. But I need, so when I got out, I actually had to live out those principles and that helped change my life. But I also realized that one of the key books that helped change my, my life while I was locked up was by um, Charles Duhigg, The Power of Habit. So I'm looking back at my life as like, huh, every time I needed to make a change, I've went and looked for someone who talked about it or written a book on it. So anytime I wanted to make that shift in my life, I went and did that. And one of the key books for me has been my, my Bible. It just, every time I don't, if I don't want to do right, I put my Bible to the side, put it like that. <laughs> I put it on the side so I don't go into it. But when I want to act right and do get some growth, I've been bred and taught to go look it up, go learn from someone who's already put all their information, their wisdom into a book, learn from it. And so now when I work with coaches and consultants, they have a message that's going to get past who the people they can work with and they're in, right, work with directly. The only way that's going to happen is if they have a medium for which to pass it on for generations to come. That book will do that. Power of Habit, great book. Thanks for, for shouting that out. Uh, I, I like the the imagery there or the just the way you paint the picture of the story that you're sitting in that cell, that this is something I want to get out not just for me, for my son, I want to put it down so he has it. Was that the at the moment you knew that you were going to kind of make make this change or make this right, or did was it did it take it something after after being released? It was after being released. What when I when I was released, believe it or not, I've been cleaning everything while I was in there, but within 45 minutes of being released, I was high again. Within 45 minutes. Wow. And I had, I had to get myself right because my daughter had been born while I was locked up. So she'd been born like a month before I got released. And then my daughter was basically given over some custody to me because her mother went back out to the streets. So she's two months old. I'm still facing 12 years of prison. So I got to figure out how to stay clean and not go to prison. I got to figure out how to get a job. I got to all these things and figure out how to be a daddy to a little girl. Right. So that was this, that was the catalyst. However, I didn't know what to do. And it was the moment that I got challenged to actually finish the book. And that happened about a year and a half after being clean. I was at a women's empowerment event. <laughs> my friend was putting it on. I talked my way into it. And all I had to do was wear a pink shirt and she let me in. So there was a woman named Cashel Kelly on stage and she was spitting these fireballs. And I just kept, you know, you ever have a speaker that's speaking and you're like, oh, 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 like, it's like you're like dodging. <laughs> it's like, oh, that was me. Well, she kept doing that. And then she gave this pitch, similar pitch to speak with her. 
So I got on the phone with her um, a couple of days later. And on that phone call, she challenged me to stop taking God's glory and tell his story. And then she gave me another, the, the next step and the first step in the challenge, which was to go on Facebook. And I'm not telling anyone to do this. She told me to go on Facebook and share on a live stream what I'd been through, where God had taken me through, the recovery, the addiction, being run over by a truck and all these other things that God had brought me through. And something about doing that left, lifted this weight off my shoulders that it's kind of like anybody that's seen Eight Mile where, busy, where, where a rabbit was going through and he starts talking about all the bad things he was about. It's like, now what you're going to say? That's basically what I had done on live stream. So from there on out, I could go do what I wanted. And that's when I started speaking. I started, I finished a book and published it and started doing all the other things. So we've, we are having a good time. We're laughing, but this is a very amazing story and your transformation is an incredible one as you talk about it. And it's a, it's a serious journey. Had you considered before speaking with her that that was that kind of catharsis was a good idea? Was that that's something you could have ever come up on your own, or or did you need to hear that from someone in her shoes to be like, yeah, I'll try that? It was right moment, right time. I because uh, the reason why I wrote the book, part of the reason why I wrote the book is because I had heard Zig Ziglar say, "Everyone should write a book," and I was like, "Yeah, I should write a book." Then he he comes back and says. But not everyone should publish. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, but he goes on to talk about how he was writing a book and the publisher was going to put it out several, several months from then. But he hadn't been living out the principles of the book. He needed to lose weight before that book come out so that when it, he was like in accord and uh, in alignment with the book and principles that he put out. And that's kind of how I felt too. Because when I got released, I took those, those pages that I had written out in, when I was locked up, I typed them up. And I thought I was like, this is 12, this is like 20 pages of glory. This is awesome. And I didn't do anything with it because I needed to live out those principles. So I knew it was going to come. It was just when she, she said that, it was kind of that sign that says, all right, it's time. You've been doing it for, for 18 months. You might, you might be able to make it. Let's go. It's a, got an amazing story, and I, I could ask you a hundred of follow-ups. The one I'm going to make sure I ask is probably not the right one, but you mentioned getting run over by a truck. Is there a story there that's worth sharing? Oh, absolutely. So there, man, this, I was in, in recovery. I was at a, a um, recovery home, and I needed to get a job. I finally got a point where I've been there long enough. I need to get a job in order to start paying bills and so forth. So I went downtown to the uh, Indiana Black Expo with my cousin. Did all the job interview type stuff and was super excited, super happy about it. Come home from there and my house was on a hill. So I've driven my car in the, in the garage. I went down the hill to go grab the mail. And as I'm walking up, Spidey senses says, look up, I look up. And here's this Ford Explorer coming down the hill at me. I catch it. My martial arts is what my, what my, um, my physician tells me saved my life because I didn't tense up when I hit it. I relaxed into it and caught the truck. And so when I went, I drew up all the way down the hill with my be on the back of it, holding onto it, got to the curb, lost my balance and went under the truck. The last thing I remember is my right leg coming up to my face. Oh. Right, so I ended up breaking, uh, severing my spine, cracked ribs, collapsed lung, broke compound fracture, my right leg, hip broken, road rash on the arms and, le and the arms and legs on the side. And, uh, but then, 90 days from that, I ended up walking into Thanksgiving. That was one of my goals. And the reason why I walked into, into Thanksgiving, 
also obviously because of a blessing. I was blessed. And not having any pain since then, it, with, a, with my spines uh, fused together and all that. I, being an athlete, having grown up an athlete, I went division one full scholarship for, for, uh, for baseball. So I had this thing about pushing myself. I always wanted to push myself. So what I did in my recovery was once I got to the point where I could walk a little bit, I said, I'm gonna walk to the end of the block and back. And that was it. And I walked to the end of the block and to the next corner and back. And I kept doing it, extending a little bit further. And once I got one lap, then it was like, let me jog, slow jog around. So that gradual building up started rebuilding myself and building my own confidence in myself that I could actually move on my own without these other things. And that lesson has been so, so true all throughout my life, but it's the same thing that happens when it came time to me learning how to, 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 to blog. 90 day immersion, a little bit here, a little bit, little bit growth, a little bit growth, a little more, a little more. When I learned doing YouTube videos, 90 day immersion, let's go into it a little bit here, a little bit more, more grow, 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 grow. The same thing happened all throughout my life when I wanted to learn something that was difficult. When I didn't know what I was going to do, I've used that same discipline. You asked for that story. <laughs> it was a great one. I, I'm glad I asked. I Just a quick follow-up. Was that your car that you parked or is it a different car that's come rolling down the hill? It was my car. Ford Explorer. So it wasn't in part? What happened? Why did it roll down the hill? Don't know. And here's the thing. It, it rolled over me. And like I said, it was on a hill. So it rolled over me, hit the curb and rolled back over me oh. and stopped mm. in the driveway on the hill somehow. So that's just, again, I don't know other than God was trying to get me to sit down. I don't know what it, what it was, but something about with the transmit, the, the gear shift, it would go, it would just go up and down. I never noticed it before, but since then they found out other Ford Explorers have had problems with their gear shifts and so forth too. But okay. we couldn't win. We didn't win the case on that. <laughs> uh, so you just, from anyone listening to this, you are clearly a, a phenomenal storyteller. And I, I think that will touch every aspect of all the things that you do because telling stories helps you connect with others, helps others want to work with you, learn from you. You mentioned the 90 day immersion. Where do you start? What is the, what is the first step? How do you, do you know what you're going to immerse yourself in? Do you start with a topic and then focus? How does, how, how do you help people figure out what their 90 days should look like? Oh, absolutely. First, you got to understand your goals. You got to know where you're going. The, and this comes from a thing called periodization from high performance athletes. What happens is, uh, so in college, I'll give an example, a quick example. In college, I dislocated my right ankle, slide in the second base. It was horrific. And I had to learn how to walk and all that stuff and run again because my ankle is not as strong as it used to be. So I ended up going into a place up, I'm in Indianapolis. I went up to a trainer in, in Chicago to learn how to run better again. And he had us go through small drills and he told us work on this drill for a certain amount of, for this amount of time, work on this drill for the next time of time. So it was slowly building up and adding onto the explosiveness again, uh, breaking out from first base or from where I was running from. So the idea of periodization is to take the big thing you're trying to learn, the big skill you're trying to learn and break it into its into, into small parts. And then you hyper-focus on one part. Don't worry about the rest of it. You're just gonna keep adding on and hyper-focusing. That's the same thing I do. That's, that's what we do for these 90-day goals, right? When I have decided to, uh, to launch a course, then I got to decide, all right, here's the big thing that I want to do. I break it down into smaller places called a race formula. The E stands for the end point. What is the end, the end goal? 
My C stands for checkpoints. So I have checkpoints along the way to see how the progressing towards my endpoint. Just like a race car game, there's checkpoints. Remember those playing at the arcade, the other race car games every so often. If you wanted to keep going without um, putting more money in there, you had to hit the checkpoint in a certain amount of time. It's a, it's a boost. The same thing happens here. You hit your checkpoint, you get a little boost of adrenaline. Ooh, dopamine hits, you keep moving on your goal. The A stands for your action steps. And the action steps are two types of action steps. One are small little goals that you need to do that may just have to happen one time. But for the most part, you're focusing on process goals, meaning the things I'm going to do over and over and over again. I focus on the process and I'm going to hit my goal. So that is, those little process goals are what are helping me, helping you to hit your goal. You have to decide what that is, uh, what your goal may be. You have to give me an example. I give you an example to go through it. I give you a simple one for the books, of course. If I got to write, publish a book in 90 days, I got a certain amount of pages I want to write every day or words I want to write every day. I sit down and write those page, words every day and eventually I get the book done. It makes a ton of sense as you explain it. I love that you start with the understand the final or the goal that you want to reach and then just break it down and focus on that part of it. I think that's wonderful advice. Um, yeah. one, thing, one thing I want to say, the R stands for review. The research out of California says that if you you can increase your chance of hitting your goal by over 40%, so up to 70% of you hit a chance in your goal, if you give your goals to written goals to someone, have regular reviews and check-ins with that person. That's what the goals uh, Dr. Gail Matthews out of Dominican University in California says. Who is the person that you hand your goals to at this time? Yo, I used to give it to my mom, but she wasn't hard enough. <laughs> I tried to give it to my daughter and she was like, she would always forget. So I actually have an action, action partner that I work with every Monday. We go over our goals for the week and what are we going to do. And I have, uh, that is my account, that's my action partner. So we go in through uh, weekly things. And then I have a accountability partner that I work with we, daily. We send kind of messages to each other like this, what I'm going to work on today. The three top goals. You only need to work on three top goals for the day. Uh, most of the time, I only get two of them done. <laughs> but those are the two the things. Now, there's another thing out there called Focus Mate. If people want to go out there and work in what's called, um, you work in a, a co-working space. So it's a virtual co-working space where you're basically on a Zoom or whatnot. This is what I'm working on. This is what they're, they're going to give you what you're working on. Y'all work together. That helps with that accountability. Also, I'm telling them what I'm going to do. And at the end of it, I'm telling what I that I got it done. You can't speak enough for the value of accountability, especially if you're the right partner. You mentioned you joke about your mom and your daughter not being hard enough. But if you've got that person that you don't want to tell that you didn't do what you're supposed to, or that you you're gonna you know make the extra thirty minutes of calls or work on that outline for another forty five minutes because you don't want to tell them that's incredibly valuable. Uh, real quickly, the the two that I've heard that work one's a little extreme is that you know if you don't hit your goal, you make a hundred dollar donation to a charity or yeah. or a cause you don't believe. What I heard that was just too a line too far was you give you you get your spouse and then you tear up a hundred dollars in front of them. And like you your spouse watched you tear up enough hundred dollars and then you will you will you'll do what you're supposed to do. They're not laughing at people. Yeah. Um, so we've covered a pretty good amount of uh area tonight, Fortune. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I probably should have in our time together? The one thing I to really cover is the value of storytelling. You touched on it, but to go, to go a little into that is the fact that we connect all through storytelling and that the better you get at being able to tell stories, the better you're going to be at persuading people. It's much easier for me to 
wrap everything into this story and then pull the points out of it so you remember it. Because a lot of people want to get, they want to tell a story that doesn't really have a point to it. Or they give all these facts, do this, this, and this, and they don't remember and pass that they get off the podcast. Unless they took notes, are going to act on it right now, they're going to forget it. But they're going to remember the story. Somebody's going to remember the story of me being remembered by a truck. Someone's going to remember, you know, the story of any of his number of stories that I've spoken about today. They're going to remember something and be like, oh, yeah. And that's going to remind them and trigger them about the message that I was behind that story. So the better you get at doing that, the, the, the better it's going to be for you and your business. Even, even if it goes to me um, working with my mentor, my mentees or my sponsees or uh, anyone that I'm actually working with, I love to wrap it into a story. It's the first, the first line of offense and defense for me. <laughs> and, and, and I'll plug, I'll even go a step further. Uh, mm-hmm. When I've got the ability to talk to people from all different types of backgrounds and you know, without saying it, when you are telling the stories the way that you are, you are exemplifying. It's like, not only I know what I'm talking about, I have the confidence and I'm going to tell it in a story as opposed to coming and say, listen, how smart I am. Or listen, I, you just, by telling the story in the way that you do, it's like, this guy is charming. He's, he's got a personality that I want to talk. I want to, I want to ask him follow-up questions. I, I want to learn more. And that, that makes you, you know, magnetic and, and make the, make that connection. So really well done. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a skill and you certainly have it. Uh, I want to end here. You mentioned working with entrepreneurs, speakers on, on books. Mm-hmm. Is that who you generally work with? Who should who should reach out to you if they're like, you know what, I'm thinking about writing a book. This guy is has got fantastic stories. I need his help. Who should who should that be? I I focus specifically on coaches, consultants, and people who are doing transformational work. The reason why I focus on them is because I have a goal, personal goal of helping transform a million lives with my author's books. So I got to get more authors who want to transform lives and not someone who just wants to have a book to have a book or because you think you have a cool story. I'll tell you this right now. Every, every one of us has a fantastic story. So that does not separate you from anybody. What, does, what meaning can someone get out of your story? And those are the people that I want to work with that uh, have a story that they want to use and a message they want to give across to people to transform someone's life. And that usually ends up being coaches, consultants, and some service workers. Very nice. And Fortune, where can our listeners uh, connect with you, find out more if they'd like to? Oh, absolutely. Um, my The best way to find me is at D. Orlando Fortune. That's D. Orlando is uh, spelled like Orlando, but with an A. D. Orlando Fortune on all, all these internet streets. Um, or you can find me also at drlinofortune.com. And anyone that's looking, uh, thinking about writing the book, you know you're already ready to write a book and you just want to get some more details about what the signature book formula looks like, you can go to signaturebookformula.com. Go there, watch the 16-minute video. So 16-minute video, I'll tell you what it looks like. Fortune, thank you so much for joining us. This was a blast. I look forward to doing it again. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>